Welcome to the Product Podcast, brought to you by Product School, the podcast where you get fresh insight from leaders at top tech companies and startups. Remember, you can learn product management in person at our 15 campuses worldwide or study with us online. Visit productschool.com to learn more about our courses. You can also hang out with the leaders from these podcasts at our hundreds of annual events and catch us at ProductCon, the world's largest PM conference that takes place every year across the United States and in London. My name is Deb, short for Deboshri. I'm a senior product manager at PayPal. I essentially lead our product management team for um, a real-time machine learning platform that offers um, sort of targeted marketing and personalization for our entire consumer and merchant uh, ecosystem of PayPal. So prior to this, I mean, I grew up in India. I came from, uh, I did my engineering in India. I moved to uh, Carnegie Mellon to do my master's and then eventually started my journey as a developer at uh, Microsoft. Over the last decade, I've, had, I've held many positions, many roles in different domains, databases, networking, did some hardcore C, C++ uh, coding, and so on, and eventually uh, got my first product management gig at Hitachi. So over here, it was more sort of uh, you know, incubating a small startup into a larger company and kind of really taking a product from concept to revenue. So this is kind of, a lot of my narration will be around some of the experiences from a new PM and growing a product from there in, an, in a space that is completely unknown to me. Um, aside from that, I also am uh, a moonlight as an influencer. I don't even like to use the word, but essentially as a travel and lifestyle blogger. Uh, the reason I mention that is um, I have about an audience of 170,000-ish followers on Instagram. Um, I should have moved my slide forward. <laughs> there you go. So I have about 170,000 followers on Instagram, and um, the reason I mention this is because a lot of what we do as bloggers is similar to what we do as brands and companies to essentially focus on data to grow your following, right? To focus on people that are really engaging with you, what kind of content is resonating with what type of people, what time zones, what demographics, and really capitalizing on what works and f figuring out where you're kind of losing people, right? And kind of, kind of how, do you, how do you sort of use data to bring them in? So in a nutshell, that's kind of who I am and what I do. Aside from that, I live in San Jose with my two rescued uh, puppies and one rescued cat. So here's a quick question, show of hands. How many of you all um, work in teams that are very engineering focused? So a lot of your roadmap is engineering driven. Okay, great. And how many of you all come from teams where pretty much all the heavy lifting is done by product to come up with the vision, to come up with roadmap, every single thing? It's actually equal and I'm quite surprised. Personally, I actually think a lot of this is kind of extremes. You really can't expect one human being or one group of people to figure it all out when you have a team that works together, right? How many of you guys have heard this? Um, the product manager is the CEO of the product. I'm glad there are not that many. So while that statement sounds really glamorous and it makes product management sound like the most glamorous role in the silicon or in the, in the tech space, um, it's really not true at all because uh, a, a product manager really has the accountability, possibly, of a CEO and all of that responsibility, but none of the authority. 
So that makes your role really, really difficult. So how can you kind of move forward if this is kind of the, the assumption about a product manager? So what it really starts with is, you know, um, the people that you come along that come along with you on this journey, because ultimately what you're doing is you're the process of people, process, and product, right? So it starts with the people that you recruit with you on this journey. So as a product manager, you have a goal to lead your team, to deliver that vision, and can essentially uh, you know turn revenue, activations, and things like that. So you come up with a plan. Now along that plan, you're going to possibly see obstacles. Before you get there, you need to have some success criteria. Right, you're thinking about um, what, how do I define my success when I go ahead and launch this feature um, in terms of metrics. What kind of metrics can you think about? Conversions, engagement, daily active users, subscription renewals, etc. So you've set all of these like goals for yourself and your, you know, your management and everyone's looking at you to come ahead and, and deliver on this. But the sad thing about it is, which is true for all of us, before we start this journey, and we've gone ahead and set these goals, we really don't know what kind of obstacles that are going to come on our way to deliver these goals, right? You can have dependencies go aside. You can have your lead developer quit. You can have, you can fall sick. You can have a lot of things that don't work out for you. So this is kind of where I, before I jump into data and data solving everything, I do want to focus on the fact that people is critical the people you, you recruit with you are really critical to being successful in delivering any of your goals. Typically, it would be engineering. Engineering is obviously a racehorse. They are the guys who, you know, feet on the ground, delivering stuff for you, helping you move forward. What about UX? Whether you're an internal-facing product or an external-facing product, you need to think about recruiting a UX person who's going to help you stay true to that experience that you need to deliver. Right? Are you really, really able to delight your customers so they're going to come back to you and help you build that conversion metric? Right? Um, architecture. Are you building a product? Are you implementing it in a way that is, is it scalable or is it a hack? Are you really making sure that it is, you know, it's highly available, it's robust, it's keeping up with industry standards? So architecture is someone who's going to guide you in your design to ensure that you are able to stay, stand the test of time. Right? Because metrics don't end this year. You have to continue to deliver. You have to continue to be successful. And having a robust product goes a very long way in that. Um, there's so many others. There's, product ma there's program management that is going to help you sort of stay true to your commitments, deliverables, so on. Depending on your role, you may have to work with marketing, pricing, and so on, right? So just think about this when you're coming up with goals. Also think about the people that you want to take with you. Anyway, that being said, once you're on your journey, once you come up with that MVP, you start measuring. Right? So measuring is, a, is, is very critical for you to figure out what those goals are. We'll spend a lot of time, a little bit of time talking about it today. So in a nutshell, empower your team, create that safe space so everybody has an opinion and helps you guide your, your roadmap. So how many of you guys, I'm sure a lot of, a lot of you have, heard of the, of the Lean Startup by Eric Ries? How many of you have read it? Okay, everybody should read it. Only because it's, it's, there's just so much. I'm not saying that's the only book to read, and there's a lot of good content out there, but definitely think about, you know, what the Lean Startup really talks about is essentially, you know, before you figure out what you want to build, figure out who you want to build it for. So it's built off of this, um, the customer first method. It's sort of this lean, uh, you know, lean manufacturing model built by Toyota. Um, the idea is really about before you jump in, before you come up with that design, before you come up with that MVP, 
Spend some time and spend significant amount of time thinking about who's your customer. What are their problems? What are their emotions? Think about how you can empathize with them, really get to understand their problems before you come up with solutions for them, right? And the reason I talk about this before I get to the next phase is in all of my roles as a product manager, as a junior product manager, as a group product manager, in small companies and large, there's a lot of emphasis on discovery. Discovery can be of twofold. You can have qualitative or quantitative. So personally, I recommend both because you can't do one without the other. So qualitative is mostly data. Quantitative is essentially data-based, right? You send out a whole bunch of surveys. You can identify, you know, you can send surveys out to you know, audiences of 10 or thousands, depending on what kind of access you have, until you start seeing diminishing returns. But what surveys will help you do is essentially identify broad themes of who are the people that are resonating with my product and who is not. Because you want to capitalize on things that are working for you and make that work for the audience that's not working for you, right? So surveys will help you get things like, oh, like women of the age group between 15 to 25, um, check into your app every single day or three times a day and things like that. But is that the audience you're targeting? Do they have the spending power? Maybe women between the age of 25 and 44 that really have the spending power and are likely the audience you want to target are really not checking. So what can you do to sort of start thinking about, okay, what do I do to make it work for these guys? So surveys will give you these broad kind of themes. The next level is qualitative. Here's when you, know, you cannot discount the value of spending time and empathizing with your customer without, you know, data is only going to get you so far. And I, and I say this a lot of times because I feel like there's so much emphasis on data and it's going to solve all your problems. It's, it's quintessential to instrument your product. But don't discount the value of spending time with your customer to learn about them. A quick example of that is in my job at Hitachi, we were actually a very young product group and an engineering group, the startup that got acquired. We had to come up with something called as a situational awareness product. What this does is essentially we work... This product is supposed to be a tool for police officers and first responders to help them solve crime as effectively and efficiently as possible. I, I really didn't even know where to start, and none of us know where to start. Um, so one way to go about it is, okay, we go off and survey a whole bunch of police departments, small, large, tech-savvy, remote, large budget, small budget, all that stuff, right? We got some themes. Okay, they have gunshots, they have 911 dispatch, they want to figure out when they dispatch the first responder, what kind of information can they see. It was just so, it was, it was too much for me to read into. But what I could figure out is there is a certain user group of people that were sort of saying the same thing. So you pick your user group and go and sit down with them. And this is where they kind of told me and my group was that we have, we, we are basically, I'm not going to take examples, but essentially we are a small city. We have a very limited budget, but we're dealing with high crime. Now, when a gunshot goes off, we have sensors in the city. When the gunshot goes off and a 911 call is placed, how much time do you think the first responder has to even assess the crime scene before they're off there trying to fix things? Um, was there bloodshed? Do I need to send paramedics? Was there a camera that was possibly recording you know, what happened at the crime scene? Were there witnesses? Did someone tweet about it? Did someone actually see a license plate capture and tweet saying, you know, a person in a blue hoodie went off in a Volkswagen Jetta, and here's a partial license plate? All of this information needs to be made available 
to that first responder and the, the people in the control room to actually get to it. So this is the kind of information that they gave us, and they said, help us. How do we help them? This is when you have to come up with your discovery takes, goes to the next level, where you have some data, but now you go into sort of sitting down with your customer and doing mock-ups and learning about, oh, I guess they're looking for like a Google Map kind of an interface. So instead of seeing bars and restaurants, they want to see if the gunshot went off here, I want to pin over there. I want to see everything that happened in this, you know, geofence location. Did someone tweet? Were there license plate captures? Was there, you know, any, any other information that you can capture? Then that sets you up for your next level of detail. Okay, I'll come back to you with more, you know, mock-ups. I'll come back to you with an MVP. Now, is the interesting question. You've come up with an MVP. Great. You built it. Most sophisticated tool you could come up with. All of that. How do you measure success? You've rolled it out. You've launched it. And let's say you're, you're coming back and seeing that people are hardly logging in. Are people logged in for the first month or the first week, and then they stop logging in? Are you going to be able to go back to that same user base and ask them, what happened? Why didn't you click on that camera? Why didn't you click on that pin? And this is kind of where you need data. You need to instrument your product to the point where you don't have to constantly go back to your customer because you're going to lose their trust. But if you have enough data, you have to learn from it. And this is kind of what we'll focus on next, is how do we use data to learn. I'm going to skip a couple of slides. OK. So what are the metrics that essentially, you know, what, what do you think about when you think about metrics, right? What can data answer for you? What are KPIs, and how do they help you make decisions? Um, think about conversion. So conversion is really going to help you identify what's working and what's not working. What it really helps you address is churn. Where am I losing my audience? So typically, conversion comes into play when you have, let's say, a goal. Um, it could be a multi-step process, typically, like activation of an account, or subscriptions, or you know, buying a product. Something where you have to have the customer do a couple of things till they are able to sort of get to the end goal. There's several different mechanisms to go about this. The most fundamental is funnel analysis. This is kind of where you can see drop-offs. And we'll talk about each of these techniques as we move along. Um, but essentially, what you're trying to get to is what do I need to figure out to convert these end group of users to start paying for my product, right? What is going to bring them across the line? And conversion metrics are critical for any of us to sort of get to that degree. The next thing is user engagement. What is working? You know, what's driving engagement? What is bringing that? So you have Facebook, LinkedIn, you have bloggers, and so on. All of these guys have figured out how to really read into user engagement. And there's so many different techniques. There's clicks, impressions, screen time, hour time, all of this stuff, right? Why do, they, why do you build all of these? Why do you build all of the instrumentation? Because you need to figure out what is actually driving engagement. What, why are people coming to your product? So things that people think about is kind of metrics that come into play here is, what is how many of my customers are new and how many of them are return customers, right? Because retention is really key. While you did a lot of marketing campaigns and you rolled something out, how many of these users, you know, you, got, you, you attracted a bunch of users through your marketing campaigns, but are they coming back? So metrics that people think about are daily active users, monthly active users. There are some that even do weekly active users and so on, right? I'll give you an example that we used for our little product. For Our product was called HVS, Hitachi Visualization Suite. We rolled it out, um, and we did a whole bunch of POCs back in the day. And we saw people were logging in, logging out in one minute. It's not like there's no crime occurring in the city, 
right? But this is essentially when people, when people click and log in, it's most likely because they got an alert saying there was a gunshot or there was like a 911 call. If people are logging out, something is not working. So you need to think about how do I get to the next level of detail, right? So there are many hypotheses that you come up with at this stage. So while building is, is great, I really want to emphasize on the fact that retention is key. How do you measure retention? You know, how many people are logging back in, subscription renewals, um, and so on, right? One way to sort of get to the root cause of this issue is try and determine what causes the churn, which is what is the last action that a, that a user performed before they churned out of your system, right? Um, this, in my case, it was I saw a whole bunch of users clicking on a camera, but then that's it, which could mean a whole bunch of things. It could mean the camera did not stream. It could mean that there was a camera streaming, um, you know, buffer issue. Buffer, like maybe my servers were overloaded. There was a whole bunch of people trying to stream from the camera, and so on. But at least I have a point to start, right? I can think, I can go back. If I had enough instrumentation built in, I would know if there were logs. I, could, I would know if my server was overloaded. But I have a place for me to go back and start from. If I didn't have enough instrumentation built in, I wouldn't know where to begin. Um, some other things to think about is behavior marketing, right? This is really sort of... You've launched campaigns, and you have marketing budget. You've launched campaigns. You can see a lot of abuse oftentimes. Um, how do you make sure that you're being effective, right? So this is kind of where you think about, you know, based on, this is very traditional. In fact, I don't think this is anything new. But essentially, uh, PayPal launches a new credit card, and we go off and do campaigns over email, over Facebook, over multiple channels. And this is kind of where you build in metrics like click-through rates and things like that to sort of figure out what is working. And what is not? Maybe email is not a place I need to invest in. It's, it's just too much customer effort. It's too offline. I'm really not able to capitalize on the user's attention. And the last thing is ROI. Nothing new here. This is essentially making sure that investment that goes in, when are you going to turn profitable? This is what your execs are looking for. This is really why you know, we're building this, because there is a reason for us to turn around revenue, and how quickly can we turn around revenue. I'll jump into the next phase, right? So the first, one of the first techniques I want to talk about is funnel analysis. So this is really you know, to kind of help you determine stages of churn. So typically, this would come into play when you have like a multi-step process. If you have a workflow that starts with sign-ups, in PayPal, for example, you start with the signing up with your email. You get an email verification. You click on that. Then you go back onto sort of, OK, now you have an account that's been verified, but you need to add a credit card. So you can start using it to send money. You add your credit card. Again, you have to confirm, because anybody could have added any credit card. So now you have to again confirm that credit card, and then you essentially go on to activate your account. If you are the product manager for this, and you did a marketing campaign and you rolled this out, now you're wondering, OK, of these different stages, I'm losing people pretty much at the email verification stage. That's terrible, because I'm basically making it so hard for the customer to even come back and, let's say, add the account. Or they've added the, added the credit card, but there's too much effort involved in sort of confirming that financial instrument. So that's kind of a place for me to start thinking about, OK, if I want to capitalize on this group of users, you can prioritize and figure out how you want to sort of get to the next level. So it helps essentially identify where are you sort of you know, losing people, or like how do you address John. I'll give you a really simple example. I'm not able to really see, but um, I couldn't use PayPal data. But what I did use is my blog data. And this is, it's improved significantly, so I've learned from my mistakes. But an example of this is using Google Analytics, and you can do this with all of your products. 
So if you notice, a lot of people are sort of coming into my website, onto my landing page, but I'm seeing about 50% of them drop out. A lot of people are dropping out. So now I need to think about why is that happening. So you come up with hypotheses. So you sort of see, um, you see people coming in, let's say if they're coming to learn to my landing page, and then they go on, half of them having a terrible experience, so they're leaving. But some of them are moving on to learn about, let's say, my travel. And I also see a bunch of people that are coming directly to my website just to learn about travel. Now, given that I'm a fashion, travel, and a lifestyle blogger, I can understand that maybe my travel content is resonating really well. Um, now, let's look at fashion. Nobody seems to care. They kind of hate it. Right? A lot of people that are coming into fashion are just dropping out. So now I can focus on either, I have two options. I can either just focus on building out my travel content and just capitalize on that and make this the next big thing. Or I can think about, no, I really think that I have an opportunity here, I have a market segment here that I want to target. How do I focus on that? I have some hypotheses. I'm just a bad fashion blogger, I just have terrible taste, I'm putting up horrible content, and so no one's resonating with me. I kind of not want to think about it that way. So I want to think about it as maybe the experience is horrible. The difference between travel and fashion content in my, in my blog is my fashion content is very picture-heavy. Just a whole bunch of pictures, because there's really not that much to talk about it, right? But with travel, there's more data. I'm talking about places to go, maps, things to eat, things to experience. It's not as picture-heavy as it is content-heavy. So here's my hypothesis. Maybe the experience on my fashion content is so terrible, which is possibly why they're having bad page load times, and that's a hypothesis. I'm going to explore it, right? So how do you get to the next level of detail? Now let's take a look at this. I can't really see, read the data here, but essentially what it says is, well, yeah, my landing page essentially has about a load time of 18 seconds, which is terrible already, which is why we see about 50% of our folks drop out. Um, travel, it's about six, six and a half seconds. Still not great, but good enough. So people are willing to stick around, look at it a little bit more, explore a little bit more, and so on. Um, let's look at fashion. I think I'm reading that right, that's 40 seconds. I don't think anyone stuck around for 40 seconds. <laughs> they left, right? So this is kind of a place, it's a hypothesis. You could be wrong about it, but it's a place for you to start, right? If I didn't have this, I would probably have made all kinds of assumptions and not known where to begin. So now we get to the next level of detail, cohorts. Cohorts is essentially sort of a concept of grouping users based on some common characteristic. Typically, this could be based on acquisition, um, you know, when is the first time a group of users came to your product and their experience? Compare it with the next time a fresh group of users came to your product and compare their behavior. So one way to think about it is, let's say I'm rolling out feature X, Y, and Z. I roll out feature X in January. I roll out feature Y in Feb and C in March. Now, if I take of my 100 users that came to my account in January, how many of them came back the next month? Maybe 10% of them came back. Okay, so that means my feature X of the first month brought back a retention of 10%. Now I rolled out feature Y, and now let's see, a brand new group of users, 100 users that came to my account, I mean, I, look, I measure how many new users come for my feature that rolled out in Feb, 5% of them came back the next month. So my retention with feature Y was only 5%. That means I seriously screwed something up, which is why I dropped retention. So now I can sort of compare behaviors of these new groups or these new cohorts based on some common characteristics, right? So this is essentially going to help you determine sort of 
how do you kind of, because you, know, you, you, you probably as a product manager rolling out a whole bunch of content. And at the end of it, you're kind of not seeing revenue turned around as much. How do you break it down? So when you're running your experiments and things like that, think of breaking it down in this fashion, right? This is one way to go about it. I'll give you a really simple example. I promise you it's gotten better since then. But when I took this snapshot, you can look at um, sort of um, things. My content is around April, May, and June. So April, I see, I think, a retention rate of about 3.5%. Uh, so people who came in April, only 3.5% of them came back the next month, which is fine. And even half, half of that came back the month after that. But in May, I saw about 4.5% that came to my content. It's the, the, I was able to see sort of a retention of 4.5%. And then in June, nothing. It was like insignificant. So it makes sense based on my hypothesis because in April, I mostly had kind of mixed, you know, there's some fashion, there was some home decor, different kind of content on my blog. In May, I went to Bali. at a whole bunch of Bali content. So that's why it makes sense. Okay, people are having a better experience for all the promotion that I'm doing. People are resonating. So there's a slight, slight increase in retention. June, just fashion. Hopeless. So, so I had nobody come back, right? So this is kind of the experience of the landing page, what they're seeing on the landing page and how many people are coming back. So now you can build on top of this these hypotheses, essentially. Um, let's take this a step further. So you found now cohorts. You've understood people from the United States are resonating broadly with your travel content, not so much with your fashion content, possibly because your um, load times for fashion are terrible. Okay, now how do we dissect this further? Not everyone from the United States is having, feeling the same way about my fashion content, right? I'm sure there's different opinions. So how do we dissect this further? So one way to slice and dice is, you know, the device you're using, the age group, the demographics, the spending power. There's so many ways to sort of segment this user base. Let's take a look at, you know, you can think about things like iOS versus Android, desktop versus mobile, Asia versus North America. It's many, 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 many ways to dissect. And if you just play around with Google Analytics and you know, a lot of these proprietary software that your companies possibly have, you'll find a lot of ways to segment. But essentially, what you're trying to get to is that next level. So let's think about this. Um, again, I'm going to try and read from here. But essentially, what you can see broadly is I don't know if you can read it essentially, but between in May, for example, I noticed that people, so a lot of people, a lot of my users are essentially possibly using mobile, right? But you can see on mobile because of bandwidth issues, possibly people coming from different parts of the world have a much, much worse user experience than people that are coming from desktop. So clearly, my page load time is, is impacting my audience's experience of my portal. So this is another way to validate that here you go, this is another way. So I need to focus on improving my mobile experience a lot more versus my uh, desktop experience if I want to capture that audience, right? Simple ways, simple techniques, but it's kind of honing you down. Page load time for fashion on mobile, right? You can take this further, age group and so on, right? So you can take a look at, for example, the average page load time. You can see it's a lot Worse for mobile is 21 seconds versus desktop is 13 seconds. So not the best, but you can see the difference. So you can like focus on that. There's other ways to dissect. I'm going to skip over that. And this one is kind of really key. 
So now, event-based tracking is your next level of detail. This is kind of where you're getting into the head of the customer, right? You build in a lot of instrumentation into your product itself, um, and like base, how do you capture impressions, right? Like Ajax image loads, error messages, and things like that to sort of get to the next level. I'll give you a completely different example. Let's say when you, you're the product manager where you sort of, you know how you have these address lookups? Um, you need to fill in your address, and you are the product manager for making that most efficient. So as a product manager, what kind of metrics would you look at? Um, how many characters did a customer have to type before you, know, you were able to find an address? Um, how many times did he have to type the whole address and then it ended up with no match, right? So did he have to enter all the way to zip code? Did he have to enter all the way to like the state? These are kind of ways for you to determine how quickly or how effectively are you performing. So as, you, as a product manager for this, you would look at metrics to ensure that all of these numbers are lower and lower and lower as you iterate and iterate through your product. So these are simple techniques for you to sort of you know, I can give you a broad range of examples, but just think about things about where you need to think about instrumenting from today. You don't do this after you roll out because you've already lost critical time and data from your customers. So think, work very, very, very closely with your engineers as they are building this out. Think of all the instrumentation, all the counters, all the logging that you need so that as soon as you roll out, you can start making iterative, you know, you can start iteratively rolling out improvements uh, so that these metrics are kind of improving as you're going down the line. And lastly, very simple, um, this is click-through analysis. This is bread and butter for anyone that's done ad tech, marketing, and so on. But I'll just quickly talk about it. But this is, you know, this is the last stage of my simple five techniques to sort of you know, get to what kind of KPIs you should be thinking about. Essentially, click-through will help you get you know, much deeper in terms of you know, what opt optimizations you can make, you know, like a phone confirmation experience. You can think about how many people, when you, when you have to confirm your phone number, for example, how many times did you have to, you know, click get code, resend code? How many people never came back and said send code later? These are different options you can have and see how many people are clicking on it, which, which helps you determine how much customer effort is going into this, which is why people are probably leaving your system. So click-through analysis will help you with getting with that level of detail. I'm going to have five seconds, and I'm going to leave you with this quick thought. Whatever you do, don't roll out anything without experimentation. Think carefully about how you want to construct your treatments, what segments you want to target, and make sure you roll out with some amount of experimentation. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Product Podcast. If you like this episode, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes. For more product insights, head over to productschool.com.